Welcome back to what is going to be a thrilling and entertaining episode 101 of the Parkrun Adventurers. Mel Urbacker, you are going to bring the thrilling component. Ooh, the thrilling. That's yes. that's a lot of pressure. Okay. Actually, you, and the entertaining as well. <laughs> and what will you you're be going contributing to carry this, this week, Scotty? No, you're going to carry this this week. <laughs> Is that okay? Uh, okay. Well, I, I will try. I will try. Don't, don't, th- yeah, mm, okay. Well, I know I didn't go on a four-day parkrun adventure this week. Did you? Yes, I did. Oh. I did did have a little bit of an adventure this week. That's In a fact, a, a bit of a big adventure this week for me. Firstly, let's take it back. This was a birthday adventure. It's not your birthday. It isn't my birthday. My birthday was in January. However, in January, I was given a little card inside my birthday card that had a picture of Margaret Thatcher on it and a a river that had four knights in shining armour riding around in it. Um, And I was told that unless I could figure out what the card meant, that I was not going to get the gift. And after about 20 minutes of trying to figure out if if these uh, knights were ice skating on their horses on this creek. Uh, I actually thought Margaret Thatcher was the queen, but I wasn't sure why she wasn't wearing a crown. Um, She's waving a little British flag, so I knew it was one of the ladies from over that way. Um, In the end, I I had to phone a friend and go 50-50 to get the clues out so I could figure out what it was. And it meant four nights in Margaret River, which was my gift from my husband. He... um, he knew I wanted a compass point for my birthday and he finally relented and let me go back to WA where I had been previously. But he had never been, so it was exciting for him as well, even though he may not have admitted it at the time. Mm, pretty cool that your birthday presents are linked to Parkrun and very creative by your husband, I think. He's a keeper. Yeah, he goes all right. I'll, I'll hang on to him for a bit longer, I reckon. Definitely was a good weekend. It was a great weekend. And we actually sort of decided this, that this weekend, instead of things for birthdays in the future, because previously we've done a lot of things, that we're just going to make them all experiences from now on, because that's much more enjoyable. And often, you know, I mean, we've done it in the past where I've taken him away um, or vice versa. And we've always enjoyed it more because it's something that we can share with each other and this time with Wes as well. So it's um it's it's just much more important to me now than things is experiences, I find. It's a sign of age, Mel. We've been doing that in our house for a while too, or trying to, but I got an Apple Watch for Christmas last year that I was pretty chuffed with. Well that's an experience as much as anything else. You're interacting with it all the time. It's not just something that you sit on a shelf and look at and gathers dust. Yeah. But back to you, a weekend away in Margaret River, they've got a park run there, but it's a long way from the Sunshine Coast. Yeah, it's it doesn't seem so long on the way over. Maybe that's because it's the shiny end of the holiday and, you know, you're, you're travelling to the destination and also the time zone is two hours different over there. So we actually had a 26-hour day last Thursday and yesterday, which was Monday, we had a 22 two-hour day and seemed to fit 
14 hours of travel into that 22-hour day. So, yeah, it seemed a lot longer on the way home. But it, it was all part of the adventure, you know, planes, trains and automobiles and uh, almost nine-month-old baby and all the wriggles and fun that comes with that and air travel. So that was that was part of the adventure, not the funnest part. <laughs> let's, let's save those gory details for the end. Just tell us about Margaret River Park Run. Margaret River Park Run was gorgeous. It was a spectacular morning. Cannot rate the weather more highly. Um, we actually were very lucky the whole weekend. Fantastic volunteer crew, Maddie Trent and Cassie Hughes, who are also big volunteers in the Park Run world, um, were kind enough to make some time out and travel down from their home events as well to catch up with us, which was really awesome, very special. And the actual course at Margaret River is just stunning. It's trail, you're out in the wilderness, and this is the first time I tried Wes in the the baby carrier on my back, so he piggybacked it this week, and it's definitely the way forward. My back thanked me so much more than, you know, travelling with the 10 kilos all up front and trying to compensate for that, you know, shift in your balance. And there was a big section of the course where it was just him and me and the wilderness and it was just magic you know you find those courses or those places you you do running events and you just feel like you're at home there's there's just this I don't know it's just like a peace and that's exactly what I felt at Margaret River it was just beautiful Uh, I think everybody should go there it's definitely it went straight into my top three Whoa. Yeah. Big statement. And I don't – it's a huge statement. I never say what's in my top three, and Margaret River is definitely there. So if you ever have the opportunity to go, not just because it's a compass point, you know, it might get knocked off the, the compass in the future, and that's fine. Go back anyway. It's just fantastic. Well, it was always getting a head start. You know, Margaret River is a great tourist spot to visit. Um, I, I had my honeymoon. Did our honeymoon in Margaret River and thoroughly enjoyed it. So, Yvonne, if you're oh, listening, if you're listening, you darling, I'd like to go back after, <laughs> after hearing Mel. That's um, an opportunity for an anniversary trip right there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, but we just had our anniversary, so maybe maybe for birthday or something like that. Let's make up an excuse to get back to Margaret River because you've got me excited. Sounds great. It's beautiful, and it's not one of those challenging trails either, Scotty. I reckon you'll be able to stay on your feet uh, without too much trouble. Hopefully, I'm not putting the mockers on you there. Uh, I will tell you that you need to look out for um, – there's a, a very famous um, natural structure out on the course, which <laughs> Matty brought my attention to. He was running with Adam and coming in the opposite direction and stopped and actually – made sure that I was aware that just a little bit down the track uh, there's a tree formation called the Undies and that I had to look out for the Undies. Uh, They were very famous on the Margaret River course. And Cassie wasn't far behind the boys and she actually stopped and said, did Maddie tell you about the Undies? (laughs) And I said, yes, he told me about the Undies. I'm going to keep my eye out for the Undies. And um, I found the Undies. Okay. So it's obvious. Don't spoil it yeah. for our listeners. But <laughs> something to look out for if we visit Margaret River. Yes, it is. Um, trail run. You, you jo- I joked over the weekend. I did a bit of trail running. I went back to Studley 
for their second anniversary, which was naturally lots of fun. But then on Sunday, I did a long run and took a detour, another one of my famous detours, and ended up doing a bit of trail running. And it, it's not it's not as bad as I thought. I'm, I'm, it's growing on me again. I, 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 will, I will never race it again. That's that's set in stone. But um, I'm definitely up for running trails. But, Good. So I can I can add Margaret River to my list. You can, but bring let's let's go back to Studley. Even if just quickly, last week you mentioned that you and Kasha were a little bit lamenting the fact that you hadn't got dressed up for Darabin's anniversary. What did you go as for Studley's? Studley's, it was just me solo again. This oh. one, well, again, I don't know why I say that, but it was just me all by myself this week. Yeah, and I hope that doesn't mean you you skimped on the costume. No, no, I went uh, as a rocker, as in. Just a general rocker with okay. 80s rocker, big hair, bandana. But what I did add, there was, a, there was a nice touch of eyeliner, black eyeliner to complete Ooh. the look, which <laughs> it was my first time wearing makeup. I've got to this stage of my life and I've never put makeup on. And um, did, did Vonnie put it on for you or you did it? No, no, no. I had help. Yvonne helped okay. me. Okay. Yeah. And I wouldn't, geez, it's not something I'd want to do every day. Like, it. It's not hurts, but it's uncomfortable, like drawing on your eyeball, really, is what you're doing <laughs> with a bit of skin in between. But uh, I didn't mind the outcome, I've got to admit. It looked distinctive, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, it looked different. Yeah. I'll have uh, to go have a look for those photos. Did you, when when you ran and sweated, did it run into your eyes and stink? <laughs> no, but the sweat did, because um, wearing a wig, heat does not escape, and I was just... No, just, gets itchy. Just jogging and uh, very, very hot. So the wig came off pretty soon after I'd finished. The other thing is that not not a great turnout of dress-ups at Studley. Studley's uh, Facebook presence is a little bit low and I guess if you don't mention it beforehand, not many people uh, know that it was that was the theme. So there might have been maybe five or six of us dressed up. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get a group photo? Yes, we did. Yes, we did. And it was the uh, run directors, mainly the run directors who were, who were involved. So, Okay. Well, I'm sure you at least provided some amusement for all the other runners who popped along for the morning. Absolutely. Absolutely. Did the high five. Did a big high five with Adam, uh, one of the run directors who is a keen listener of the podcast. So, hi, Adam. And I uh, nearly broke my arm in the process. It was the high five that was heard around and felt around Studley. Ooh. Uh, but we, we gave it some gusto. Yeah, great morning. A great morning. I Even though I didn't have my girls with me, I still put Studley down as just a top morning. Love it. Love it there. For our next guest, we're heading back to the UK. Uh, Parkrun is big in the UK. So we're going to chat to Rowan Ardill who is Parkrun UK's Engagement Officer. And we're going to find out all about that and his other adventures. Welcome to the pod, Rowan. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Let's get on to your role with Parkrun UK a bit later. There's one other thing you're doing this month, and you've just come in from your run tonight. You come up with this idea called Run the Date. I'll let you explain exactly what it is for starters. (laughs) Okay, yeah, so... um... 
It's a, an, an idea I came up with. Um, I tried it a couple of years ago, actually, in, in 2016 and failed with the idea. So I've tried it again this year. So the concept really is that throughout February, I've been uh, doing exactly that. So running the date. So on the 1st of February, I ran one kilometre. 2nd of February, I ran two kilometres and so on. And, and I'm right up to 26 kilometres I've just come in from doing uh, this evening. So I'm two days away from finishing it. Um and uh, yeah, it's been a, in a brilliant way just to get out and, and run with loads of different people and have a bit of a conversation, a chat with loads of people while I've been doing it. So uh, it's been a bit of a personal challenge I've set myself. As I say, I tried it in 2016. Um, I got as far as the 17th of November that year. Hadn't really told anybody anybody about it that year, so um, wasn't too bothered when I failed. Um, put myself under a little bit more pressure with it this year by going quite public with it and doing live videos on Facebook to introduce every day and explain who who I'm running with and um, kind of been blogging about it as well. So it's picked up a bit more awareness this time around. So I feel under a bit more pressure to get it done, really. And that's obviously working for you because you've got to day 26. That's now, can I just clarify, you're running kilometres or miles? I'm running it in kilometres, yeah. Okay, because that's, yeah, that's how my brain gets around things. So that's good. That makes sense to me. Was it strategic picking February as the month so you didn't yeah. have to <laughs> push yourself to one of those 31-day months and just make it a little bit harder? Definitely, yeah. And, and funnily enough, when I, as I say, I tried it in 2016 and only realised halfway through the month that that was actually a leap year. So it was another reason why I kind of bailed on it halfway through. Um, so yeah, 28, 28 days is far more manageable than a, a 31 day month, certainly. But hang on, Rowan, I, I know I see you UK runners on Strava, you all talk in miles. So how come you've um, converted to kilometres for this challenge? Yeah, well, I... It's kind of the part run, part run thing, I think. I, I kind of deal in kilometres now. <laughs> um, a lot of the people I'm running with, a few of the guys I was running with tonight were, were talking in miles and trying to work out how they do a, they were talking about a metric um, marathon. So they're trying to do 26.2 kilometres and what that equates to in miles. And I just deal in, in kilometres now. <laughs> Far easier for me. I agree. Um, the the idea, you wanted it to be a social experiment, yeah? Or you wanted to bring the social side of running to this challenge. Uh, has that worked? Yeah, so I've been really lucky that I've had company for the pretty much the whole way through the challenge. So even on these really long days like this evening um, and for the next couple of days, I've got people lined up to run alongside me. And um, it's definitely a key part of what I've been doing. So uh, I'd say probably all but about 20 minutes of the challenge. Um, I've had somebody kind of at least one person run alongside me. So it's been a great way to, as I say, get into some some good conversations, find out lots of different things about different people. And and uh, yeah, it's been a, a great way to, to get to know people a lot better. So it's a, a social experiment is a really good description of it, actually. Yeah. Apart from being a social experiment, can I just ask why? <laughs> Um, I, why not? It's, uh, I like, I like a challenge. Um, I'm quite a lazy person kind of inherently. So I need something like this to make sure I actually get out and, and do a run. Um, I've done Iron Man triathlon a few times and, and that's great that I love the training involved with that and, and kind of the preparation you have to put in to be able to complete it. I've got London marathon lined up for later on this year. And I thought this, I've, had a bit of unfinished business really with this challenge as I say failed it a couple of years ago so um 
yeah, I thought, why not? I'll do it, do it this year. Um, and it's fingers crossed if the next two days go to plan, I'll, I will have managed it this time round. Have you inspired anybody else to to do the exact same challenge? Uh, so a few people started the challenge um, and intended to get the whole way through it. So um, a friend of mine called Neil started, um, I think he managed up to, to day 20, um, didn't quite manage day 21 due to other time pressures. Um, and then there's a couple of people who who kind of did far more than they'd ever done before, um, did like the first 10 days straight, which was amazing. Um, so yeah, I'd like to think I've inspired a few people to get out and run a little bit further than perhaps they, they would have done ordinarily. My brother was running alongside me this evening, actually, and said it's the first time he's ever done a three-hour run on a Monday night for for no apparent reason because he's not training for anything in particular. But, um, yeah, it's been it's been great to kind of hopefully inspire a few other people to get out and, and have a run. Uh, it's particularly cold here as well at the moment, so... February's a short month, but it's also a really cold month. So, um, yeah, hopefully some people have, have got out running when perhaps they wouldn't have done otherwise. I can guarantee, I think you've already inspired some of our listeners, Mel. I think we've got some adventurers who will love this idea and pick it up. Um, how are you going? You're getting to the end now where it's the hard part. So your weekly Ks must be um, over 150, 60, I'm guessing, at the moment. Yeah, last seven days was... Uh, well, last Monday to Sunday just gone was 154 kilometres. So the last seven days I've just done is over 100 miles. Uh, going back to Mars again. Um, I think the final seven days of the challenge is something like 176 kilometres, which is by far my biggest week I've ever done. So I think the previous most amount of kilometres I've done in a week was 95 or something like that. So um, it's it's definitely made me run far more than I ever have done before. Um, but I've loved every minute of it. I've tried to kind of consciously not complain about being tired or achy or anything like that. Cause it's not kind of in the spirit of what I'm doing it for. Um, so I've tried to kind of savor every moment and it's certainly had some really memorable moments along the way. Do you just get to a day like day 25 and think, Oh my God, it's 25 K today. I've got 26 tomorrow, 27 the next day, 28. That's, that's like a, more than 100k in four days do you just think what was I thinking <laughs> uh, I try not to uh, think too much about it to be honest yeah I've just kind of compartmentalized a little bit and taking one day at a time uh, as I say what's been brilliantly brilliant in terms of dragging me is, is having people to run alongside me and yesterday there was a race um, that we did for the first 10 kilometers was, was a race and then we ran home from that race the, the kind of 10 miles or so back um, so that kind of broke things up a little bit into two parts um, albeit my my watch was still running the whole way um, kind of an added little bit of, I've included onto the challenge as well is uh, I've tried I'm trying to complete every single road in Ramsbottom where where I live so I've come across a really cool website that kind of pulls across your Strava data and, and shows it on a map of, of where you've run. Um, and this evening's run that we've just done was kind of, you know, colouring in a few more of those roads that I've not done yet. So that's why 26 kilometres took me over three hours this evening. So um, it's an added little little challenge within the challenge, really. Now, you've blogged all this. So if our listeners want to follow you, um, they can look you up on Tumblr. 
you've um, that's right put up some video footage before every run, and I like it. Uh, you're a cat backwards runner, Rowan. I think I am. Got a yeah, lot, lot in yeah. common. Uh, right, cool. Yeah, it's a bit of a become a bit of a trademark. So I rarely run without a cap nowadays. Okay. Do you think it makes you faster? Uh, probably not. Oh. <laughs> I'd like to think so, but probably not. I'm working makes on a the theory that it is going to make me faster. <laughs> <laughs> Something to do with aerodynamics, is it? I think so. Yeah. Um, so good luck. Good luck for the next couple of days. Thank and, you. Yeah. Um, yeah. We'll, we'll be watching intently to make sure you uh, make it to the end. Yeah. I'm, I'm hope I do now. It's, uh, I've come this far. <laughs> Let's move on to your role with Parkrun UK. You're on, you're on staff there, and your job title is engagement officer. Why does Parkrun need engagement officers? Yeah, it's a good question. So um, it's probably one of the first times um, that Parkrun has kind of gone into this kind of area of work. So previously, um, Parkrun has, in the UK anyway, has been quite kind of reactive to demand. So it's it's always kind of, you know, um, people will have approached Parkrun and said, I'd love to have an event in my community. And and that's got us to a certain point where we've got lots of events in, you know, certain parts of the of the country. And my role um, is specifically to to develop junior part run and to try and engage people in our events who perhaps wouldn't ordinarily think to come along or wouldn't naturally have an event crop up um, in their local area. So part of my job is to to kind of stimulate demand for new events in in more challenging parts of the UK which had it been left to natural evolution perhaps wouldn't have, have necessarily had an event as quickly as they've got one and the second part of my role is to reach out to communities and, and do some kind of targeted promotion of our events to make sure that people are hearing about it in different circles and getting away from the the kind of the word of mouth growth that we've kind of uh, got to the point where we're at, at now um so i'm kind of my role is to to reach out and speak to those who who wouldn't normally come along what are some of the strategies that you use to do that sort of engagement rowan do you like is it cold calling is it showing up in communities how how do you get those people involved so I've kind of been developing a bit of a, a network of volunteers to, to help me do that. So what's really important is that we understand kind of the local context wherever we're working. So I've tried to recruit um, what we call outreach ambassadors um, who kind of know their local area far better than I do. So my role is actually kind of national. I have a national remit and um, it's a, you know, a quite a hard task to spread yourself really really thinly across lots of different areas so i've tried to develop a network of, of volunteers who know their local area they understand you know some of the historical geographical and and sometimes territorial issues that go on in different places um and they can make local connections they can go into primary schools and deliver school assemblies they can link up with community centers faith centers lots of different organizations that have kind of traction already in their local communities um and uh, work together with those people to to kind of identify who are the best role models to share our message and and who are going to people going to listen to uh, and and trust that are going to hopefully say that junior partner is a really great thing to get involved in and um yeah, it's a really interesting role to have. Um, we're constantly learning 
of the different best ways to engage people. Um, and uh, yeah, I absolutely love love do what, doing what I do because I've been a passionate part runner for, for many years now and it's kind of a bit of a dream job for me really. We've got Junior Park Run coming to Australia. It is coming. Yeah. So I'm surprised to hear you say there's some challenges around getting Junior Park Runs up because I think we're, we're thinking it's going to be embraced and, and loved over here. Have you met some challenges in getting some junior park runs up and running and, and being successful? Um, it's, I guess it's the biggest challenge we face is, is getting the, the people to, to take it on and to drive it forward. So where we haven't had, you know, a historical presence with 5k events, uh, part of the challenge is just getting people used to understanding what Parkrun's all about and and understanding that it's a great thing to have in their local communities. So we 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 don't always. I'd say the biggest barrier is is finding those individuals. It's not necessarily the the uh, pushing back from the council, the local councils or landowners or anything like that in terms of wanting the event to happen. Um, it's it's just finding those key people to to drive it forwards and to take it on and and make it a key part of their local community um it's it's kind of a, a, a job i love in the sense that i could talk about as i'm sure you guys can talk about partnering all day and it's kind of a really nice thing to i don't really want to say a sales job but if it were a sales job it would be something that i think i'd be pretty good at doing because it's uh you know only got good things to say about it and, and as i say could talk about it all day long they do say if you're going to go into sales, you have to believe in your product. Definitely something I believe in, and, and as, as I'm sure you guys all, all do too. You mentioned that the focus, obviously, for you is on junior parkrun events, but that you have trouble where in areas they, they haven't been exposed through normal 5K events. Why was it determined that the focus should be on the junior parkruns and not, not both events as a whole? Yeah, so um, so my job is um, is part of a, a corporate social responsibility um, partnership that Parkrun has. Um, so we, it, I, it was just determined that junior Parkrun will be the focus of that partnership. Um, there may well be kind of the, the 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 learnings may be taken into our five k series as well. Um, in future but at the moment yeah my job is just is just a got a focus on junior park run i think we're all going to have a soft spot for junior park run when it finally hits our shores nothing like watching a whole bunch of young people getting out there and around the course can you give us some of the highlights that you have experienced in your role you know with engaging these communities and things like that yeah definitely yeah i mean uh I mean, for me, the, my favourite moment is is when you every, every bit of a junior part run is amazing. Um, it's kind of a really heartening thing to see happening. Kids kind of enjoying themselves, being active. Um, the warm up. We, so the diff, slight difference with juniors to five kids is we facilitate a warm up at junior part run. So you know, we we get the kids moving, get them get the heart rates elevated, and kind of get them ready and riled up, ready to to do their run um jog or walk and um for me the fa- my favorite bit is always the three two one go on the start line and and seeing them s- every single kid will sprint for at least 20 meters until they realize it's kind of unsustainable for for two kilometers but um seeing them sprinting off and kind of 
you know, with a smile on their face is, is just an amazing sight, really. Um, I've I've kind of visited quite a few junior park runs up and down the UK. Um, everyone is is fantastic and slightly different and, and unique in their own way. But, uh, you know, they all follow the same uh, formula um, in the sense that you get a similar experience wherever you go. So, yeah, it's a, it's a fantastic thing. And I'm sure you guys will absolutely love it in Australia, too. You're a passionate parkrunner, Rowan. Um, did you start up an event before you started working for Parkrun or did you, did you just apply for a job with Parkrun? How did your relationship with Parkrun evolve? Okay, yeah, so uh, I, I set up an event in um, February 2011, so just over seven years ago, uh, and that's Bolton Parkrun, which is in Greater Manchester. Um, so I was, I was working for a local public health team at the time, um, part of the NHS, and uh, I went along to an event fairly close by. I'd seen a seen an article in the running magazine. Went along as a runner and kind of instantly fell in love with with part run. Um, thought I'd love to take this back to the local area where I was working at the time. Persuaded my boss to to fund the event, um, and then very quickly kind of took it over as a volunteer. And I've been involved at Bolton Part Run ever since. Uh, probably within two or three years um tom williams who i know you guys have interviewed for the podcast before uh, i got to know tom fairly well through the setup of bolton park run he uh, rang me up and asked if i'd be happy to support some other events kind of locally in their activation so i kind of became one of the original ambassadors for park run uh, supporting the setup of new events and and supporting them when they're live as well with any issues that, that come up um and then I was, I was kind of doing that ambassador role in my spare time for a good few years and then I've been working for the organization for about two and a half years now I think it was uh back end of 26 uh, 2015 when I started uh so yeah I've I've been involved for quite a few years I've volunteered I think over 250 times I've only just done a hundred runs actually, so I volunteer more than I run. And I'm just about to launch a junior part running as a volunteer in my hometown. So uh that's that'll be starting a week on Sunday on the eleventh of March in the uh, Ramsbottom. So you've been a little bit involved with park run over the years. A little bit, yeah, yeah. And how did your actual running story start? I'm assuming you were already a runner before you got involved with park run, or is that a comp- completely false assumption yeah no I, I think part run was my introduction to running to be honest I think I was kind of um probably dabbling with running a little bit I was doing trying to get myself fit um yeah but I think part run was probably probably my main introduction to running um since since 2010 when I did my first part run I've I've since become a bit of a, a triathlete I've done Ironman triathlon three times um i've done a few marathons as well but uh yeah it's all thanks to part run really from a dabbler into a serious yeah serious volunteer anyway (laughs) can you give us some of your highlights from your actual running um story so what one of my other kind of passions is um it it coincides when i started working for part run was setting up a my own running club so 
I launched Ramsbottom Running Club in, in 2016, so I'm chairman of the club um, at the moment. Um, and we, uh, we've we been going for probably 80, just over 18 months. We've got about 170 members of the club. We have about 100 people turn out each week to run with us on a Tuesday evening. Lots of those people are either existing park runners or are now regular park runners. Um, yeah, I've done I've done the London Marathon, the Berlin Marathon, um, the Manchester Marathon. I'm doing the London Marathon again this year, and I've kind of set myself the the goal of doing the big six marathon majors, but before I turn forty. So I turned thirty last year. Um, so my my next big running goal is to do the the big six marathons. Um, how did you go at Berlin last year, Rowan? <laughs> finish up for you. Well, that's, a, that's an interesting question that um, we haven't haven't already spoken about. <laughs> um, yeah, so I went into Berlin Marathon in September last year with a, a goal to break three hours and thirty minutes. Um, I was doing it in aid of Alzheimer's Research UK, which is kind of part in UK's uh, charity partner, and I was featured in the national part run newsletter about it and. I'd been quite public with my goal, to be honest. I'd told a lot of people what I, what I was trying to do, and I put myself under a fair bit of pressure to to achieve my goal. Um, it was also partly because my brother's marathon time, marathon PB, is is one minute faster than mine. <laughs> um, so I went into the marathon kind of in fairly good shape. I'd done Ironman triathlon a few months before. Um, I got to about thirty five k, going really well. I was hitting all my splits and everything. And then um, tried pushing the pace a little bit too too fast. Heart rate went through the roof and kind of had a little sit down on the side of the road. And um, yeah, I keep getting getting kind of mocked for for my sit down in the middle of the Berlin Marathon now from various work colleagues. Uh, I got put in an ambulance at 35k um, with a kind of a dangerously high heart rate. Managed to persuade the ambulance crew not to take me off to hospital. And then um, decided it was a good idea to carry on. So I did actually finish the marathon, but a little slower than I was intending to. I did a four hours and 18 minute marathon, but with a 45 minute lie down in the middle of it. So that split for your 35k must have blown out a fair bit. But good to yeah, see you finished. I think it was a 45 minute um, 36 kilometre, which is a new record, I think. There you go. But you're determined to finish. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I kind of stepped out of the ambulance and was told not to carry on, not to do any more that day. But as I say, I was, I'd was i raised quite a bit of money for charity and made my goal so public that I couldn't go back to the UK having not completed it. So I just pinned my number back on and kind of strolled into the finish. Um, annoyingly, it was kind of had I just slowed down a little bit rather than trying to push the pace when I was already quite tired, I probably would have still got quite close to my goal. But yeah, your brain goes to mush a little bit when you're you're already tired and trying to do the maths in your head. So, yeah, bit of bit of another epic fail, but never mind. Knowing runners, as I do, and understanding that we're a bit of a crazy bunch, I can comprehend that there would be a lot of people who've ended up in an ambulance or on the side of a road and find themselves in the situation where they have to talk their way into being allowed to finish a race or a run you you had to do it 
in Germany, did you have a language barrier? And what did you, how did you convince them that you were, le- you were going to be okay and they should let you finish? Well, I, I kind of got my wife to thank for that, really. So when I first sat down, I was kind of insistent that they didn't call my wife because she, she'd only worry about me. And then um, when they were about to take me off to the hospital, I kind of insisted that they did call her. And she was amazing. She got across Berlin in uh, in about 10 minutes flat. And she's never been to the city before. She managed to find me in an ambulance on some random Berlin street. And then between us, we kind of convinced them to not take me. Um, I think she was in trouble with my parents for a little while, but they've forgiven her now. Can we take it back to Ram's Bottom Running Club, Rowan? Because there's yeah, an Aussie connection. You've got a twin running club down here in um, near Shell Harbour. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so um, I've tried to, to kind of be quite innovative, really, with the running club. So we thought I've thought about it from from absolutely every angle and how how can we make it a, the most appealing running club possible? We've kind of chosen quite a you know a stylish kit design and uh, thought about kind of the brand inside of the club quite heavily. And then and one of the other ideas I had quite early on was whether we could think about having a twin club. So. You know, it's kind of, for me, it's quite a, an integral part of what we do. It gives us a bit of a shared identity within the club. Um, so it came about through a link up with a colleague, Glenn Turner, who works for Parkrun. I think you featured him as well on the podcast. Um, and he helped me up with his parents running club in, in Wollongong, which is uh, Kembla Joggers. And there, I think quite a lot of that club are involved at Shell Harbour Parkrun. Um, one of our members recently went to visit she we'd only been twinned for a couple of weeks and she happened to be over in Australia so she she went out of her way and uh, went to visit the club presented one of our singlets to them and uh, it's been amazing so far we, it's kind of uh, kind of achieved more than we expected um, we've got a really nice connection with the club and lots of our members are organizing visits out to see them and hopefully they'll do the same back to us as well. That sounds brilliant. Apart from the uh, exchange of let, let's go to, you know, a place on the other side of the planet and run with the people over there, what's involved with the twinning? Like, what do you get out of that exactly? Yes, yeah, it's a good question. So it's, it's, a, it's kind of a new concept that I'm kind of working on with my brother um, and we're hoping actually to make it available to other clubs. So if anybody's interested, they can, they can look up clubtwin.com um it's a little website we've set up so the idea is um kind of partly the very act of becoming twinned with another club we thought there's a bit of value involved in that um it doesn't necessarily have to be as extreme as the uk and australia it could be twinning with another club in the same country um so part we thought part of the value is actually the very act of becoming twinned is a good nice you know a nice little pr opportunity to to raise the profile of both clubs one of the unexpected bits that's come out of our twinning with Kembla is a bit of exchange of um, expertise in the sense that Kembla joggers have asked if we have any software developers, for example, in our in our membership um, that might be able to help them with something they're working on. Uh, part of it is we thought the value um, comes in, um, you know, if you've got members of both clubs doing a race it might be a big marathon or it might be if it's you know a closer twinning it might be a local race uh, you can cheer on each other's members just something as simple as as that really 
so uh, we're learning a lot as we go along with the development of it but um yeah it seems to be quite a popular little thing that we've that we've started particularly with our club anyway i like it you're you're increasing the engagement with people overseas as well at the same time yeah that's it we thought it'd be a nice little antidote to to brexit as well (laughs) hopefully we can link up some uk and european clubs together (laughs) <laughs> I suppose with Shell Harbour, you're probably having a lot of uh, weather envy at certain times of the year when, yeah. <laughs> Cold here at the moment, yeah. You see in their beautiful drone footage videos of their purpose-made cross-country courses, uh, yeah, makes us a little bit jealous. Scotty and I are looking forward to heading down that way or up that way, respectively, uh, in a few weeks' time for our um, listeners meet-up. Rowan, thank you for joining us today. I I loved hearing about your Run the Date Challenge. I think I might modify it slightly and um, do my own sort of Run the Date Challenge, but instead of a kilometre, I might run for a minute um, for each date. And then that that could be more of an introductory thing for those of us who perhaps just need to build up the mileage a little bit slower. Yeah, great idea. Yeah, drop me a line and uh, and let me know how you're getting on with it. And you know what? I might even do it in one of those months that's got 31 days. Oh, go for it, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Good luck with it. Enjoy the next couple of days of lots and lots and lots of kilometres. Thank you. And we look forward to hearing more about the engagement of Junior Parkrun in the UK in the future. I hope, hopefully I'll get to have a trip over and and, and advise the uh, Aussie contingent on on how we do Junior Parkrun. That'd be a nice little gig. Hello, this is Mark here with Tales from the Top End. So it's Mark here. We're down at Nightcliffe Launch just before the event. I'm here with Tina Sanderson, the uh, event director. How are you feeling today, Tina? Are you excited? Oh, I am so excited. Um, it's been such a long time and um, it, you know, the day has finally come. So we're just waiting for people to arrive. People are sort of um, arriving in hordes. We, we actually have got no clue how many people we're going to end up with, but um, it's looking like it's going to be a really popular event. And um, hopefully all the Parkrun adventurers um, would like to get their North Compass Point and come and visit Nightcliff Parkrun in the near future. All right, thank you, Tina. We'll check back after the run and see how we went. Okay, so we're at the finish line now. We've just finished up and packed up. Everyone's gone home. Um, and we're here with Tina again. So, Tina, how'd your run go today? Well, it couldn't have gone any better. I mean, um, it just went so smoothly. Um, we actually had a really nice, cool morning, which is quite unusual for this time of year. It's only terribly hot and humid. Um, we've had cloud cover, so we haven't had the sun out. Lots of people really enjoyed the run and, and thought it was quite nice and comfortable. So, hopefully, we'll see everyone next week. Um, Great feedback on, on the course. If um, if anyone you know wants to come and visit Darwin, the, the Darwin Nightcliff or the Nightcliff foreshore is a, a really lovely part of Darwin. It overlooks um, the Darwin Harbour, and um, it's just a, a lovely sort of run through the park and over the Rapid Creek Bridge. And um, yeah, and it's and we're looking forward to continuing on next week. That's awesome. And um, you started this run here. How did the process go of starting a park run, a new park run? Well, you know, really. Starting up a new parkrun is nowhere near as hard as um, I think anyone could possibly imagine. Um, you know, we 
Darwin was getting a little bit big and we sort of thought, yeah, we could possibly do another sort of suburban um, park run out in, in the burbs. So, um, you know, we went for the, the process of getting funding through the Darwin City Council and um, we were pretty shocked actually to, to be successful in getting that funding um, because um, I wasn't quite ready to... To, to you know, undergo the the process of starting the park run straight away. I'm busy doing you know work and triathlon things, um, but once sort of those things got out of the way, um, the process to actually start a park run was so easy. Um, park run Australia have amazing tools. They have a great website with lots of um, checklists and things like that. And there's lots of people that you can ask questions about. And um, and you know, park run is just such an amazing brand. Whenever you say to people, oh, "I want to start a park run" or "A park run's starting here," everyone says, "Oh, that's great. When is it going to start?" You know, you don't actually have to go through the whole process of explaining what it is. So it's just um, fantastic. And I recommend if anyone. You know, travels to a park run and says, oh, I wish I had a park run closer to me. Um, just go for it. Excellent, excellent. Well, thank you, Tina. You've done a wonderful job. Everything went smoothly today. And um, look forward to having a few more runs here in the future. And uh, just for you guys to know that Night Rider, the TV show and movies, were named after Nightcliff, not the other way around. And David Hasselhoff didn't show up today, sorry. Yeah, and the Hoff wasn't here. Maybe next week. <laughs> And Mark Connolly is back with us doing a roving report from the Nightcliff launch, which, Mel, we had a little competition going last week. Do you recall? Mm, yes, I do recall. And, and it was 250-odd participants, which I'm fairly confident is much closer to what I said than yours. I need more detail. If you're going to claim victory, you actually have to give me... The number that I said? Yes. I haven't listened back to last week's episode, but I'm pretty sure I said 300. Okay. Closer to 300. Well, do you know... You, you were down at the 100, maybe. Do you at least know how many they had at Nightcliff for their launch? I don't know exactly, but I'm pretty confident it's about 250. Hmm. 254. And, and so this competition that we had, what was the outcome of that? You were closer. <laughs> was that difficult for you, Scotty? It was a little bit difficult. <laughs> it was a little bit difficult. But good on the uh, Darwin people for getting out there and supporting Nightcliff Park Run with 254. And a fun morning. Sounds like Absolutely. it was. Absolutely. I reckon they have a bunch of adventurers that are just chomping at the bit for more events. Hmm. Now, we have one new event launching this week. It's nowhere near Nightcliff. It's in South Australia. And, Mel, I've been looking at this one closely because it looks like a beauty. It's called Largs Bay. So whereabouts is Largs Bay, Scotty? It's in Adelaide. It is in the north of Adelaide, if we're calling Adelaide. Not an expert on the Adelaide greater region myself, but this is close to Port Adelaide. And it's by the beach, so I'm guessing it'll be flat. Just looks good. Looks like a good one for uh, the Adelaide folk to get around. Awesome. They must be pushing like 20 events down in South Australia by now. More. More. Far out. Can't keep up. And we also have two anniversaries. One over in the west at Kalia Park Run and one in Queensland at White Rock Park Run. Don't hear much about those two events. They've been around for I think a year. That must be their first anniversary. Yeah, um, I hear a little bit about White Rock. Do you? Um, lo yeah, locals travelling and, and things, trying to get there. and It's another trail event. Um, 
So I, I hear a bit about that. Sounds good. It's it's on my list. There's, uh, with all the launches that we're having lately, you know, Queensland have got a whole bunch more launches lined up for March as well. You know, it's just getting more and more tricky to stay, not even on top of them, but to get to like one or two a month. It's not that you need to go to the launches, but just the amount of events that we've got. I really wish I'd started adventuring a little bit earlier in my parkrun career. Making up for lost time now, though. Speaking of adventures, Scotty, have you ever travelled in business class? Sadly, Mel, I don't think I have. I have skipped business class to do first class once, but never business Ooh. class. Wow, that must have been very schmancy. I, so as part of my birthday present, on the, on the leg home, Adam, we, we flew over with points and all that sort of thing, but um, Adam upgraded us to travel in business class on the way home. And, I, you know, I'm going to be honest here, I felt really awkward. Awkward. So for he, yeah, yeah. For him, it's it's great because super super leg room, and he's a tall man, and that makes a big deal to him traveling. But I I just felt I don't want to say shabby, but probably probably that's the best word, and like also naive because I just I've never traveled business class business class before and so when we were like lining up to to go in they have those big baskets where you can grab headphones and things like that if you want to watch the in-flight entertainment so I grabbed a set of headphones and um, I noticed Adam didn't pick up a pair and I thought oh maybe he doesn't want to watch any movies this time or thought he wouldn't get a chance with Wes or whatever and then you know we got in and we got shown to our seats and there's this pair of fancy headphones already like hanging up next to the seat and I'm like oh okay well now what do I do with this little economy size pair that I grabbed and nobody told me I didn't need to get those and so okay had to hide those then um Wes was there's this thing on the panel on the side panel which has your seat positions and it lights up and it's a touchpad for adjusting your seat and and one of them was like a massage thing and oh my god Wes thought it was the best thing ever so his hands were all over it lighting up all these things meanwhile the seat's going forward backwards (laughs) I'm getting pummeled in the back by this massage thing and he's turning the lights on and off and I couldn't get him to stop playing with it and of course we hadn't even taken off yet so you know how you you seat's supposed to be in the upright position I kept trying to reset it and he kept pressing other buttons um and then I mean there was a blanket and a pillow which they were just taking up all this space and I didn't know what to do with it when the lady brought the food out she's like oh you just have um you know can you just get your tray table out I'm like I don't know how to do that I didn't know where it was or what the button was to press. And so she had to get my tray table out for me, which was embarrassing. And then she gave me all this cutlery. And I didn't know what to do with all this cutlery. Like there were two forks and two knives. And I, I felt like it was that scene in Pretty Woman where she's looking at all the things and and, and they, they had to like tell her, oh, you just start from the outside and work your way in or something. But they were all the same size. So I couldn't even tell which ones I was supposed to use first. And then I was looking at the meal that they gave me. I thought, oh, there's not really very much to that. So I ate I ate it and then I, I ate my dessert. And then she brings out another plate and she goes, here's your main meal. And I'm like, 
oh god, I just ate my dessert because I thought I was finished. Like I've been known to eat my dessert first in restaurants or order just dessert instead of a main because that was my choice. But this time I just felt stupid because I didn't think that there was any more food coming. And so it was just one thing after another. And I just thought, no, business class, not for me. I just. But Mel, everything you're describing sounds pretty good to me. (laughs) What do you mean? (laughs) I don't know. The extra meals, the massaged back, the someone even pulling out your tray table. Usually I have to turn the knob myself and it falls down. In business <laughs> class, you got someone to do it for you. <laughs> uh, it's just awkward. I'm not – I'm a very independent person and I'm – I'm not used to – I don't want to say I'm not used to nice things, but maybe I'm not <laughs> used to nice things. And, yeah, oh, okay. Well, yeah. I said to Adam, he needn't he needn't worry about using the extra points next time to upgrade me. If he wants to go into business class, he can. I'm, I'm perfectly happy in economy um, with ways and, yeah. And then I don't have to worry about the baby crying and, you know, interrupting all the business class passengers who've probably paid a lot of money to be there because people aren't traveling with small children and all that sort of thing. I just felt really out of my comfort zone. Yeah. Well, stick to what you, you know. And that, you know, that's the only reason why I don't travel business class and first class because it's got nothing to do with the exorbitant prices they charge <laughs> for the value you get. So, so my experience, it was many, many moons ago, but it was first class. I I got upgraded to first class on a flight back from Bangkok. Okay. And it must have been a long time ago because I don't have great memories of it being as even as good as you've described. The only thing I remember was I could eat whatever I wanted whenever I wanted and I could walk around. And But I was, I was younger at the time and they had a bar and I wasn't drinking. So I could just go up and I got an orange juice because I wasn't even drinking um, soft drink. Is that kind of what it's like in business class? Could you just order whatever you wanted? You didn't have to beg for I for think a Coke so. if you wanted yeah, it? I'm, I'm pretty sure you just sort of like waved your hand. I didn't do that though because glass – because everything was served in glass as well, not even plastic cups. But with Wes and the amount of wriggling he's doing at the moment, it's just not practical to have a glass full of a beverage sitting beside you. I'm still feeding him, so I wasn't drinking any alcohol anyway. So not making the most of it in that respect either. And yeah, so I, I think I, yeah, all awkward, all uncomfortable. But you know what? Um, where I didn't feel uncomfortable was at Simo's in the Margaret River. I wanted to tell you about this earlier, but I didn't. I didn't have a way to tell you, so I'm going to say. It, I'm going to say it now. There's this amazing place that does like 75 different flavors of ice cream, and Cassie recommended up. Uh, that we go there. So we went there on the Saturday um, in the afternoon and you could get one scoop, two scoop or three scoops and they'd have it in cones or cups. And I said, okay, well, I'll have three scoops on a, co- on a cone. And the man just kind of looked at me funny. He's like, on a cone? He said, you're probably better off doing it in a cup. And I said, well, no, but I want a cone. I said, you can manage it. I'm sure you can You can stack three scoops on a on an ice cream cone. He's like, well... Yeah, but one, they're pretty big scoops. One of them might fall off. And I said, no, it'll be fine. I'll eat it fast enough. It, it's not going to be not going to be a problem. He's like, okay, well, if it falls off, don't come back in here asking me to give you another scoop because, you know. 
it's want, um yeah just want to jump in here this this man's job what does he do for a profession all day every day he sells me ice cream or anyone ice cream so he he scoops ice cream all day every day and he's giving you advice that three scoops is not going to work but carry on carry on <laughs> well i said to him look oh, if and i literally said look if you only want to do two scoops that's fine he's like no no it's more money for me that's fine i'll give you three scoops and he did but then the next thing was he judged me on my flavours. So I asked, what do you do when you're faced with 75 different flavours? You have to get three scoops just so you can taste as many as possible. And so I asked for tiramisu because that's how I rate everyone. Like tiramisu is sort of the standard flavour that I have that I can understand whether or not they're any good. Then I asked for mango macadamia because that's what one of the flavours is that they're very famous for. And then I got him to put bubble gum on. (laughs) And he's like, really? Bubble gum? With mango macadamia and tiramisu? And I said, yes. And he's like, that is the worst flavour combination (laughs) I've had to do in a very long time. He's, pro- he's probably right, Mel. Again, I get back to it all day, every day. He's he's putting these combinations together. And I'm guessing no one's ever paired bubblegum well, with well, even tiramisu. You know what? He was wrong. It was a great okay. flavour combination. And I did not drop any of my ice cream. However, I obviously made a big enough impact on him because we went back the next day. And he knew exactly who I was. <laughs> and... Um, I did only get two scoops the next day because we had had a big day of holiday eating, as you do when you're on holidays. Um, and I had to try two different scoops. But he, he, I think he was just having a lend of me this time. I asked for, um, oh, what was it? It was almond nougat or honey nougat and strawberry. And he's like, really? Strawberry? <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, oh, you cheeky bastard. But it was very good. Okay. Uh, if you're ever in Margaret River, I strongly suggest you go to Simos for Simos. ice cream. Okay. We're getting Simos. Are they uh, are they on the payroll? Are they, we're getting Simos money now? Oh, I, I, I would be willing to take ice cream as payment from Simos. Okay. Let's arrange that. Let's arrange that for next time at least I visit anyway so I can get a free ice cream. Exactly. I look forward to hearing what flavour combinations you go for, and I highly recommend three scoops on a cone. Okay. I can't wait. Mel, thanks for sharing your, part of your trip, your four nights in Margaret River with us this week. Great catching up with Rowan Ardil and learning all about his challenge. Do you reckon – I liked your idea of um, 30 what, – what was your idea? Run, well, it was run the date, but instead of a kilometre per day – or, or, you know, per date, you run a minute per date. So by the 31st, you'd be running 31 minutes. There we go. That's the challenge that I think a lot of our adventurers are going to step up to. Maybe for March. Yeah, no doubt some will try the uh, kilometre challenge. I'm not going to do it. I wouldn't get very far with the kilometre challenge, I know that. No, um, but I, I look forward to following your minute challenge for March. March.